Hey everybody, I'm Eric Tornberg, co-founder, partner, Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is an episode of Venture Stories, where we deep dive on topics relating to tech and business with some of the world's leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to Venture Stories by Village Global Podcast. I'm here today to discuss all things fertility with Tammy Sun of Carrot and Afton Vetri of Modern Fertility. As welcome to the prestigious and illustrious Village Global Podcast. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Tammy, can you please describe uh, what you do at Carrot? Yeah, so we make fertility benefits simple and affordable for any company. And so we offer a way for employers to provide coverage for everything from basic fertility testing, which I know we'll talk about later, all the way through more complex treatments like egg freezing, IVF, and surrogacy. Afton, can you talk about what you guys do at Modern Fertility? Yeah. So at Modern Fertility, we take the same laboratory test offered in an infertility clinic, typically when a couple or a female are having trouble getting pregnant. And we take those same tests out of the clinic and make them available to women earlier in life. So today we see women focused on prevention for the majority of their lives. And all of a sudden when they're trying to conceive, it's just a, oh, let, let's try, let, let's see. Uh, so we're trying to really flip that conversation and make fertility something that women think about proactively. So we offer a test that women can take every year to have a greater insight into their broader reproductive health. Cool. So I want people to, listeners, to leave this episode with a, a better sense of where opportunities exist to invest and start companies in this space. And I want to start with that as a frame. Maybe, maybe after you could start, you know, before Modern Fertility, you were in private equity yeah. and you were evaluating companies, you know, all throughout the space. How did you sort of settle in on, on the idea of Modern Fertility and how did that evolve over time? Yeah. So my introduction to the infertility space was back in in private equity and, oh gosh, 2011. And so my job in private equity was essentially to identify any area of healthcare that was interesting, growing, had some consolidation potential, and then map out the entire industry landscape and decide uh, what two to $10 million EBITDA companies we were going to go invest in. And so women's health was always an area that I was passionate in, uh, but I was looking at these broader trends of just women waiting till later in life to have kids and did some digging and was looking at the growth in IVF. And really uh, at that point, fairly early on in my career, I I got to do a really deep dive into infertility. I got to learn the entire all of the business aspects. I got to learn all of the key players. I got to learn about the science, but it was really the emotional aspect that stuck with me. I was talking to so many women uh, that I met in those clinics that just kept saying, you know, I wish I would have known. <laughs> I wish someone would have told me that fertility declined with age. I wish I would have had more resources. And and that information really stuck with me over the, the years. So that uh, deal in particular in private equity was we were looking to consolidate uh, a network of IVF clinics and labs and their associated surgery centers. And uh, it was really just a, a great way to to learn all the ins and outs in the space to kind of arm me with, I guess, just keeping uh, fertility and women's health top of mind until starting Modern Fertility Today. So that was really born out of the idea of women need more information. They have anxiety. They're asking these questions today. How can we get this information to them earlier? Because in a 15-minute well-visit appointment with your doctor, it's it's not really the, the grounds to have a, a really deep discussion about your reproductive health timeline and options you might have. Right. And you mentioned in the beginning mapping out the, the entire market, even just starting with the subject of fertility. How do you think about what are the different buckets that companies fall under? Like, how do you, how do you map out this market? 
Yeah. So I think what's interesting is from a private equity perspective, we were or at that point, we're looking at infertility specifically. So people that were presenting with an issue, uh, egg freezing around that time had only, or was just about to get the experimental labeling removed from it. So at that point, infertility was really a network uh, or, or just physicians uh, across the, the US and, and globally that were uh, practicing different types of, of treatments. Uh, reproductive endocrinologists have an additional clinical fellowship on top of their OBGYN residency. There's only about 2,000 of them in the U.S. There's only about 500 infertility clinics. And so the industry landscape was really, who are these physicians that are have these practices that are providing these treatments? What are the tools and resources that they're, they're using? And I, I think, um, you know, with both carrot fertility and, and modern fertility, both companies are really filling in gaps around uh, just the, the other opportunities that exist within these kind of more traditional physician services. Well, Tammy, can you talk a bit about how you came to the idea uh, for Carrot and talk about sort of, it's my understanding that you explored sort of the consumer route and didn't pursue it. Feel free to edit that, but here's Mm -hmm. how you you're sort of, you went through the idea maze that is fertility and how you ended up with Carrot. Yeah. So uh, much, I think like Afton, it, my, my sort of it, it, uh, pursuit of this and, and building the business really came from a personal experience. Right. And so when I was at Evernote, I decided to freeze my eggs. It cost me about $35,000 out of pocket. Um, my employer at the time was giving us great benefits, great healthcare, great dental vision, core medical benefits. And they went out onto the market to try to find a coverage solution for fertility And they came back with an infertility insurance rider. Now, what that means is that you have to try and fail to conceive after six to 12 months of unprotected sex. And so me, as a person who was trying to freeze her eggs, like even if they had had that buy up in the in their plan, it wouldn't have been accessible to me because I wouldn't have been able to unlock it. And so we began really sort of digging into this, both from a con- originally starting out from a consumer perspective. My co-founder is um, is a fertility doctor, and so we sort of had both sides of the of of that experience sort of paired together, like the patient and the doctor. And I think a lot of what I think a lot of what goes into sort of starting companies and making sure that you're in the right in doing the right thing is like the right founder company fit. And, you know, so I had spent a lot of time at Evernote um, really looking at growth and partnerships and like sort of how to do that from a scalability perspective. I know Afton spent time, you know, at 23andMe doing sort of at-home testing and things like that. And so, you know, we did a lot of prototyping with women and, and men, to be honest, in, in the Bay Area. And what we found was that, you know, affordability really is the highest pain point when it comes to people who need to access care. And so thinking about sort of how do you build a scalable cost solution that dramatically changes the financial incentives of the sector and allows many millions more people to be able to come in and access care that is as basic as a checkup all the way through something as complex as surrogacy, which is we're, we're seeing a lot of activity on this on the platform with regards to surrogacy and the need, especially coming from gay parent, gay dad. And so, you know, I think that the, the, the really interesting thing about the fertility sector is that there's so much surface area for, for improvement, right? This, the sector really hasn't seen a lot of any, if any innovation in 40 years. I mean, IVF was, was, it was invented, you know, over 35 years ago. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's the consumer side, there's the enterprise side, and there certainly isn't just one. Yeah. So let's pretend that we, us three, are running a, a venture fund, and the sole focus is is fertility. How do you think about where would you see, where would you think about 
opportunities or different types of businesses that you're looking for in the space? Or how would you sort of map that out in terms of what our thesis would be? Well, at first, I think it's important to really think about like breaking down what fertility means and thinking about like how the market has matured, right? And the different the different segments and 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 the the, the sort of sophistication of the sector should really be thought rethought and uncovered. When people say fertility, we actually ran a, a nationwide survey around this. Um, it's it's roughly evenly split split between assisted reproductive technology, maternity care, some OB/GYN stuff, some post you know some post pregnancy stuff. And so when you think about like. Fertility, it actually encompasses a much bigger market than, than, you know, just period tracking or just at home testing or just, you know, benefits. It's actually a very big and mature market that can hold like multiple big players. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And what we talk about all the time is how, you know, infertility isn't a federally reimbursed benefit. It just really doesn't have a, a place that really fits well within the existing healthcare system. Infertility isn't even heard of. There's no such thing as fertility. And I think that, you know, so much of what we're thinking about is just, you know, how how do we kind of get outside of what historically people are thinking of today as, as treatment and expanding the entire category to think about it proactively before anyone's having issues or deciding that they are even interested in, in egg freezing or, or have to uh, even start to consider IVF. And so I think that just these conceptions around what is infertility, what is fertility, what is reproductive health, what is women's health. And I totally agree with Tammy in that there are there are so many different opportunities and there need to be smart people thinking about solutions that can address half the population. Yeah. And even more like, you know, one of the things that, and, and that we really think about is like, breaking down the the myth or the stereotype that fertility is something that at least for us is a is a female burden or is something that only women need to really consider you know um, LGBT employees and LGBT people will need you know donor eggs donor sperm in order to build families they'll need surrogacy adoption and so like fertility is a fundamental part of human health and sort of expanding the definition of what modern fertility means to include what it means for women, but also what it means for like for men, what it means for all sort of underrepresented use cases. And Afton's right. Like there is no, like we're, as we're speak, as we speak, we're sort of like building the language today (laughs) about how to talk about this, like fundamentally important part of healthcare. Right. And I think, you know, in, in 10 years, we'll look back and we'll think how silly it was that people didn't have information to their own data around their fertility health. And that, you know, at, when you walk into work, it, it, you know, fertility coverage will be a standard part of what you expect as a table stakes part of your compensation right. or benefits package. You have medical, you have dental, vision and fertility. And I think companies have to be approaching it from different angles. Like I think we we love the fact that people are hearing about fertility as a benefit through their employers because of the amazing work that Carrot's doing. And I think for us, we we want women to start thinking about this earlier in life. And we just have, you know, as a society where we're waiting till later in life to have kids, to start families, people are having issues. There's all of these factors that we don't really even understand that are affecting our ability to, to reproduce and they're half there has to be more awareness and more energy going into uh, investigating those, but also providing different solutions at every single stage for every single type of person. So talk about the market size for fertility right now or where fertility is right now. And where is it going to be in the next five to 10 years? Like how are things going to be like drastically 
different to the extent that they are? Well, I mean, I think the the really exciting thing from, I guess, from an investor perspective, and you can yep. jump in here as the, as the only investor at the <laughs> table, is that fertility is very much a greenfield market, right? We're not like going in and displacing an existing product. We're building an industry and the products in that right. industry, like from the ground up. And so it's a little bit sort of like you can sort of gauge the market size by saying like, okay, you know what? Today, companies spend roughly $2 billion on, on shitty first generation infertility and insurance products. By 2023, the global infertility market, no, so global fertility services market will be, you know, anywhere between 25 and 30 billion dollars. But those like those those are conce- those are based around on conceptions of like sort of still what what infertility means. That's that's a that's a measure of the old market. And so I think like what Afton is doing and, and what we're trying to do at Carrot is to really like invent and open up a completely new market and the potential size of that is 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 enormous. Yeah, I actually stripped. Um, we were writing a press release and we had like the size of the market in the press release. And I was like, no, like there's no way that we can rapidly grow to be a multi-billion dollar company that is going to fundamentally impact the world. And if you define the the market and the category this way, so I struck it and I was like, no, like this this makes us think way too narrowly. Wait, same, so what's the new definition? Like what is a fully expansive well, I mean, it's sort of hard. It, it, it's it's basically what Afton said. It's like, how does every person and every company like think fundamentally about a proactive approach to fertility care that is not instigated by a disease diagnosis, which is the infertility disease right. diagnosis. And that's true for women who are thinking about preserving fertility for the future. It's true for LGBT couples who may need fertility care, not infertility right. care, in order to build families. And ultimately, it's about sort of a fundamentally new market that helps people design their lives, right? Like, yeah. like I think one of the byproducts of, of Carrot is that we get to help people build families. One of the byproducts of, of modern fertility is that we get to help people sort of like make these micro decisions over the course of a long period of time because they know their personal data. But like, ultimately, what I really think about in the sector is like, this is a sector that will fundamentally allow people to like design their own lives with as much human agency as possible and therefore like be their best self. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Like we spend so much time planning our career or understanding our credit score and how that's going to impact buying a home. And it is just crazy. We talk about every, every day, how we just leave this huge part of our, our lives to, to chance. And I think that we are both building companies that give uh, women and and men the tools to make some of those decisions and and be in control. And the human body is really complex and there's never a guarantee with anything, but there are more tools. There are more ways that that we can do that. And so I think, you know, the first step that that we think about is we want fertility testing for, for modern fertility to be as routine as a pap smear, where it's just something where you're starting out, you're getting that information every year so that you can use carrot fertility products at the, the, right time if you you need to and so i I think it's just expanding the way that we think about the ecosystem when people are have much more control over their lives reproductive lives how is that going to affect population like are people going to more kids people going to less kids well there was a pew study in january 2019 after i'm sure you you saw it it's um it actually it actually pushes it back against this sort of you know fear-based conventional wisdom that like oh my gosh we have a population you know problem and um, what what it found was that women are having more kids. They're just having their more their first kid much later in life, right? And so think about that. Like they're having more kids. They're starting later in life than previous generations. And so the implications of that 
for the healthcare system, for fertility care, for, you know, how you work. You know, in a lot of ways, we think about the future of fertility as one and the same as the future of work. The implications of that will be will be significant. Let's talk about some of the companies that are that really matter in this space or that are significant in this space. How would you sort of break down who the major players are and, and what boxes they fit in? Well, I mean, we, there's the period tracking, yeah. sort of period Clue. tracking sort of category. I love Clue. I think mm-hmm. that what they're doing to just and their views on data ownership and just giving women more tools to track their cycles and understand what's going on in their bodies. They were really kind of this wave of a first generation of companies that were saying, hey, there, there's this information that can tell you a lot. Go learn about it. And just seeing the traction of women that are raising their hands and saying like, yes, I, I will do this. Uh, it's, I think, fascinating and, and really kind of laying the groundwork for a lot of these other um, methods that we're introducing where women can learn even more about options or, or tools that they have. I think Kate Ryder at Maven is doing a great job. I think, you know, they're sort of pivoting off the idea that you know, women have had a relatively sort of poor doctor experience or OB-GYN experience, and they're trying to make that much more accessible, much more user-friendly. Women are, in many cases, the healthcare decision makers in, in a household for themselves, for their children. And so I think sort of expanding access to, um, you know, the, the other thing about OB-GYNs is that a lot of women use them as primary care. Right. So I certainly do. Right. Like I don't have a primary care doctor. I just have an ob And so sort of making that user interface accessible and easier to use is something that I think is, is really um, positive. Are either of you going to have clinics anytime soon? I mean, I think I think the interesting thing about about the vertically the, the vertical integration is there's there's a lot of there's just a lot of opportunity in the fertility sector overall, right? Fertility IQ is another one that's doing a lot of great work on content, um, and so you see like content, you see direct to consumer broken, you see you know B two B broken, you see sort of the the entire landscape is old and and sort of due for a, a refresh, and how that how this industry will evolve over time will will be really interesting. And I do think that we've sort of hit an inflection point where the market has has matured. So I'm happy about that. What about Prelude? They're a pretty huge company, right? Yeah, they raised $200 million <laughs> from Lee Equity, similar to the kind of type of IVF roll-up that I was working on. And so their idea is, um, but they market a lot of egg freezing. So my understanding is that they're kind of going around and acquiring all of these different fertility clinics. Pacific Fertility in San mm-hmm. Francisco was one of them, kind of rolling them under this Prelude name, right. um, brand. I think that you know the way that we looked at the space when I was in private equity was you get certain efficiencies when you, you do that. But Prelude and the the CEO has kind of got, you know, gotten up and, and said, you know, every single female should freeze their eggs, every single male should freeze their sperm and just don't leave, decrease the probability that you'll have issues by dealing with that earlier and have some associated financing packages with that. And so I think it's, but the strategy to do that is not in this consumer realm, it's very much in this uh, private equity style execution. That's my understanding. Um, I honestly, I haven't heard a yep. ton about them lately. The, the other thing about Prelude that I'll say is that, like, I think that we we fundamentally don't believe that, like, financing is a scalable and mass-consumable solution when it comes to, like, the affordability solution for fertility care. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. First is the disproportionate burden of those loans will fall on women, right? And so, you know, women who take out loans to do egg freezing, in some cases, that might be the right sort of um, path. 
in other, you know, in the vast majority of cases, in order to really transform the sector, you need to fundamentally change the financial sort of structure of how money flows in and out of, of these, all of these different players. And so we sort of took a look at financing as well and just really decided that like, you know what, just from like what we believe is like, is the transformational thing and what's right. I think that my view on this is when you're starting a company in this space, you, it seems like an incremental improvement. You have to really build something that's aligned with your end customer. And I think that, I mean, I love companies that do that in in every sector, but that's not always the case. And so I think really thinking about the business model that you're going in with and understanding who the burden will fall on, uh, what the incentive structure is, if that is really the best thing for your end customer. And I think one of the things um, that, you know, when you're starting a company and the, the world is your oyster and you're really thinking about about all these different ways. It's just, it's really important uh, for you and when identifying your investors to really build something that is, or be intentional about yep. how you're structuring business decisions to build something that's aligned with your end customer. And I think that it just, in this space, the the long-term winners will have really put a lot of thought into how they can build trusted brands in yep. this space. And so at Carrot, Tammy, you're doing that by, you're wanting the end customer to have, be able to afford it. And you're wanting employers to be able to attract the best talent. Is that how you sort of look at it? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's two types of buyers when it comes to fertility coverage. The first is, you know, the, the five or 700 person company, whether it's in tech or finance or any of the sort of adjacent sectors to tech consulting media who are really, you know, probably operating in the most competitive, like, talent pool in 20 years and they're trying to compete with Google, right? And Facebook and and Google and Facebook, you can count on one hand, the number of companies who can throw a hundred thousand dollars at each employee to access fertility care. Um, And then there's a second type of buyer, which is sort of the more pragmatic mainstream buyer who is really looking at sort of dollars and cents, right? And, and from an ROI perspective, you know, the ability to have a managed care program in a company that helps to reduce the chances of a, you know, catastrophic event. And that means like a high risk NICU instance, um, you know, twins or triplets is worth the, is increasingly worth the investment upfront into a fertility program, right? Because you sort of see you know, more and more people are going out and having fertility care because more and more people are having to start kids later. And so the, you, if your people are going out and getting that done, you want them to have that done in a managed care setting versus an unmanaged setting. How do you guys think about, you know, we, we've all run across a lot of people who want to build something in, in healthcare broadly. How do you think about building a company in fertility relative to building it in other spaces in just digital health broadly, like how does it regu- regulatory bodies or like how should people think about fertility versus digital health differently? I think, you know, we spent a lot of time, I, I think understanding that this was a, a health issue, but also really, I mean, because of the channel that we, we sell through, we needed to build something that really resonated with women. And so we really have invested a lot in building a, a brand, our, you know, our voices, your OBGYN that also happens to be your best friend and really building that in a way that, that resonates through women. We have to be able to speak to them and have them say like, yes, this is something that, that I want. I, I want to, to know about. And so I think that that from the start really was kind of the, the underlying and a base for, for what we build, but also just the, the number of physicians that you have to work with. We announced our medical advisory board last week, led by Dr. Nataki Douglas at Columbia and Records and Dr. Robert Lau, who was at uh, Roche Diagnostics previously and an associate professor at Stanford, and just 
pulling together the brightest minds from just all areas of medicine and, and having them on your side to just envision what type of world you want to, to build and, and see. And so I think that we... I know I'm not a physician and Tammy, I don't think you have a secret degree that we haven't talked about, but I think, you know, understanding what you want to build, but also having the the right. credibility and the the means expertise. to to speak with that expertise is, is super important. So those are the, the two areas that I, I think all companies really have to invest in. And I know Tammy with your, your co-founder is a, a reproductive endocrinologist. Yeah. So that's also, so, yeah. you know, we're, we're really like, I, I'm really grateful to have like a, a really strong sort of founding team, which um, has sort of all of the, the main ingredients of what it would take to build a company like Carrot. And so, you know, my co-founder is a fertility doctor. Julie um, came from Zenefits and so had sort of the insurance background. You know, Arun is an engineer. And so, you know, and then my, my obviously my experience, not just as a patient, but like growth at Evernote and things like that. So I think, I think sort of getting the right sort of fundamentally first team in place is, is super important. I know Afton has done a lot of great work and, and you know, we've worked on, hard on that too. Totally. We've talked a lot about the macro environment. You guys have agreed on nearly everything. I'm curious, where is something where you guys have a slight difference of opinion or, or crux um, that is just slightly, I see the world this way, you see the world slightly this way? You know, somebody asked me this question the other day, a reporter asked me like, um, you know, do you like something about partnering or, or competing? And I, and I fundamentally believe that like, it's, it's an interesting time for both Afton and I to be building our companies in this market because like, it's, it's a, it's a rising tide that's going to lift yeah. both of us up. Right. And so it's sort of like, it becomes this virtuous cycle where the more women who understand information about their own bodies and then, you know, and, and will want to access fertility care, the more um, that people, companies will feel obligated to yeah. provide this type of coverage at work. And the more that happens, the more people sort of are destigmatized and sort of talking about fertility and become, you know, things right. tests like this become more acceptable. And, and so I think, I think that like there really is less of a con- I mean, I don't know yeah. if this was your question, but like less no, no, no. of a it wasn't like a better scene, question. So no, um, yeah. and more of a like, it's, it's just a, if you, it's like a, a really interesting time for this market to be evolving. And I, and I think modern fertility has certainly emerged as like the leader in the direct to consumer space. And I hope that Carrot has on the B2B side and sort of like the, the parallel maturing of both of our companies and the, and the rapid growth. I'm, I'm really happy to see it. Yeah, I think we're both rooting for each other in the different channels. I think that, you know, when I thought about my background and just employer as a channel, it was something that, yes, it has to happen and companies should be covering this. And I believe it will happen eventually, but it's, it's a, a bet and area where I wanted to build a company focused on an entirely different channel and with different tactics associated with that. So I think it's... And you're the right founder for that business. Exactly. Right? And you're given the right your back, one for... Given, the back, you know, given your experience, like you're the right founder for that business. Um, yeah. It wouldn't have been right if it was me. Exactly. And so I think that our worldview, just because of the experiences that right. we've had as it relates to fertility, I mean, we've both had personal experiences and, and experienced the frustration of this space. And I think we both have emerged with our own solutions that do see the world in a very different way. But I think as, as Gammy said before, there there's so much room for so many companies to emerge and really just provide more, more services. In your conversations to each other, and maybe, maybe there isn't, has there been, do you guys slightly see like the market dynamics over the next five to 10 years changing in a, in a different way? Or would, or would you say... I mean, it's such an open like question. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not displacing an existing product. Right. We are, it's not like we're going to, you know, 
you know, dethrone like yeah. Slack right. with a new type of like message. It's like, it's just, it's a fundamentally greenfield market. Yeah. And so I think the, like the potential is even above what, how, how you could measure it. Like if you were going to put pen to paper and try to like right. do the math, so it's like, why isn't everybody building a company in this space? Like what are the major barriers? Like what's preventing people from either building a company in this space or like really getting significant traction is just super early. I think that there's a lot of opportunities for education and for what we built, it was really, really hard. The science is incredibly complex and it's changing at a very, very rapid rate. So what we're doing, we're, we are experts in all of these fertility hormones, the role that they play. Uh, we're experts in the entire you know space of, of at-home testing and we're going to a lab and making those services available and gaining that expertise has been incredibly difficult. And there are so many different, <laughs> from regulations to medical experts to consent to just so many different factors to, to consider. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about how we're, we're running so many different businesses, companies within in our company. And I think that there's just, there's a lot of, of expertise, you know, we're, we're a small team, but we now have, you know, 30 contractors on, on staff as well. And we don't pay all of them every month, but you need your regulatory person. You need your um, ex-clinical expert in a certain domain. You, you just need all of these people, uh, around the table to to get you to where you need to be to meet your customers needs yeah and on the carrot side like it's you know it, it is a it is a complex endeavor to deliver this kind of benefit right and so it's not it is in, in many ways we're building our own claims processing system from the ground up in many ways you know you have to have the right sort of clinical expertise in order to be able to to deliver this kind of coverage in a way that's reliable you know you need the b2b sales experience in order to be able to like you know move into the enterprise and understand how these buyers buy but fundamentally like whether it's direct to consumer or or b2b like world-class execution is going to come down to who's on the team. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I fundamentally believe that Carrot has the absolute best team in place in order to win on the B2B front when it comes to, you know, fertility coverage and, you know, Afton for, for modern fertility. And so, you know, sure, anyone can do anything, but like, it's, you know, life is a game of inches. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a team that will fight for every inch, you know, you 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 become the leader. Awesome. Afton, you guys just launched something. Can you talk a little bit about it and what can we expect? you know, new product wise looking forward. Yeah, so we announced our, our latest funding round. We've raised uh, seven million total uh, this past Thursday. Uh, we unlocked. Uh, announce the launch of our fertility hormone test that you can now take at home in addition to going to a lab. And we also announced the formation of our medical advisory board. So I think that the at-home test for us was a a huge milestone. The product that you get, the modern fertility experience is more than just a, a hormone test. It's really a way to think about your your reproductive health and, and how you should be thinking about your own timeline. And it's a test that you take uh, every nine to 12 months. And I think for us being able to meet our customers where they are and at home and remove, you know, one step from that process, uh, I'm, I'm just incredibly proud of our ability to, to bring that to the market. And so I, I think we, we always knew that from a convenience standpoint, we wanted our millennial customers to be able to, to test from home as opposed to having to schedule time to leave work to go to a Quest Diagnostics facility. But I think one of the really interesting things that we've learned is that it is so much more of an accessibility issue as well. Uh, we talked to so many women who have irregular periods and didn't know when the day three of their cycle would be. So they couldn't request off from their employer to take off work to go get this testing done. So women are just uh, were experiencing this, this huge gap. Women who wanted this information just couldn't couldn't get it. And so 
we're really excited to now have the ability to test that way as well. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I had a very low AMH reading, which is why my egg freezing cost me so much money because I had to do it so many times. Oh, so I think I was 33 or 34 when I first got that reading. And I was really pissed off because I had gone to the ob every year for 20 years. And that was like the first time I had ever heard of this thing called AMH. And so had I known earlier, I, I might have made sort of different just reproductive choices. Maybe not, but like exactly. maybe. And you know? our whole product is designed around giving you that information. So we tell women, hey, if you have really low AMH, it's not going to affect your ability to get pregnant right now, dependent on your age. But if you want to go through egg freezing, here's how this will decline with age and here's how it could impact your decision. So that's we that's the exact uh, type of, of tool and product where we're trying to equip women with this information. So thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Uh, Tammy, what's uh, what can we look out for for carrot fertility or for people who want their company to adopt it as a as a product? What uh, what should they know? Well, so one of the great things is that it's it's super simple for HR teams in order to create a custom brand design and then implement. Because we are separate um, and running in parallel from the core medical plan, we have a ton of flexibility. And that means that we can implement um, what's known as off-cycle, so off of the sort of normal medical timeline, or we can implement with open enrollment, which typically happens in the fall. And so, you know, we see a lot of companies with internal demand sort of coming to us and saying, hey, let's do something starting in June or July or August rather than waiting for January. And so, you know, we sort of make it really simple and easy for HR managers to manage um, over the course of the year of the program, but also really simple and easy to understand for members. And ultimately, you know, we're building a product that is for the end user and the end user are the employees. And so, you know, that's if you if you want to know more, go to carrotfertility.com. You're hiring. <laughs> You're hiring. Please say yeah, more. So, so modern fertility is, is hiring. We we have a, a ton of positions available. Um, just we we're super lucky, and I think I agree completely with what Tammy said about the the team dynamic. I think that companies, especially at the early stages, are are based on the people that are there every day and, and building them. And I think we we have an amazing culture and people that believe in in what we're we're doing and we're looking to to grow our team today. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. It's been a really fantastic episode. Thanks. Thanks for having us.